am I going to do? I've watched it so many times and I keep having the same feeling. I think... I think I kind of like Spider-Man 3. But I feel like no one in the world feels the way I do. I just wish I had someone to talk to. What, what, what was that? Is someone there? Remember that part where there's that cool Sandman fight in the subway? So underrated. How about that time Peter dances down the street in his new black suit? So misunderstood! What about when Harry and Peter team up to fight Venom and save Mary Jane? So good. I kinda like Spider-Man 3. I want to talk about it too, Scott. That's why I've been looking for you. Looking? For, for me? Oh yeah. I know all about you. You do? Like what? Like the fact that we've recorded 245 podcasts covering every minute of Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, so if we stop now, it just doesn't seem right to me. Wait, that you, Zach? Look, I want to talk about Spider-Man 3. You want to talk about Spider-Man 3. Together, its bad reputation doesn't stand a chance. Interested? Yeah. But where can people find us? Oh, my spider sense is tingling, if you know what I mean. And it's telling me that they should look for Spider-Man Minute Season 3 on DuelingGenre.com or wherever they get their podcasts this summer. and welcome to the protagonist podcast where each week we look at a great character in a great story i'm joe dorowski and this week we're talking about beta ray bill from the mighty thor comic book series and joining the discussion is protagonist pod a podcast co-pilot andrew dorowski welcome andrew hello so glad to have you here uh actually fully participating uh we often have you lurking uh and sometimes popping in but i always enjoy the episodes when we go one-on-one talking about a great character and what a great character we have this week Mm -hmm. uh so you and i had been tossing around that we needed to to bank an episode probably a comic uh to drop in if something fell through in our future schedule um and we had we'd kind of acknowledged or you pointed out like we we've done over 200 episodes and there's a lot of mainstream superheroes that we haven't done in part because we want deliberately to not just do superhero comics for our comic slot. We try and do, you know, yeah, one they, film, like one they are show. actively avoided. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we want to acknowledge that there's more to comics than, than just superheroes. And so in each month when we try and do a TV show, a movie, a comic and a novel, a lot of times with the comic it's like, well, let's do this indie comic. Let's do the, you know, this autobiographical comic, you know, whatever it may be. We, we pull in all sorts of things and, uh, <laughs> and funnily enough, when you're like, we haven't, you know, we've, we've never done Wolverine. We've never done, um, you know, like so, so many of the main, the, the main big superheroes that anchor a lot of franchises we haven't yeah. touched on. And so you, you, we kind of somehow said Thor for a little bit. And then you mentioned Beta Ray Bill. And I was like, that's it, <laughs> which is not the most mainstream superhero character, but he is such a great Marvel comics character, uh, Beta Ray Bill. Well, and he's, I mean, at least firmly C-list. Yes. Right. But he, in, in like current Marvel comics. But like, he's the kind of character that everyone kind of loves. 
but Mm -hmm. is not going to have his own title. I mean, but everyone would love it if he did, but like that would kind of ruin him. Yes. And uh, I think everyone's one of these, these characters that like every creator has a story for that character. Like, uh, like comic writers and artists are like, I'd love to do this story for that character, but the character doesn't have their own ongoing title uh, and probably never will. And so the characters have to find ways to bring the character in. And I think Barry Bill is at that level. Yeah. So it's almost like, cause like, so Wolverine originally appeared in, in the incredible Hulk, like issue 181 and 182. And then was kind of like, he did a a few appearances and then they put him in a main X-Men title. And the only X-Men title where things change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the X-Men title. And then things shifted, and now he's had his own series. He's been in X-Men and Avengers constantly, constantly, constantly. Yeah, and, and like so many miniseries and just everywhere. Yeah, and Beta Ray Bill, you know, when he appears, because we're talking about his first appearance, he comes in and he kind of has that same sort of appeal and presence as Wolverine does in The Incredible Hulk, where it's like, who is this guy? And then... He just became, you know, like the center of everything if it was Wolverine. But Beta Ray Bill, they've managed to not do that. Uh-huh. Uh, and so well, I guess let's let's jump in a little more before we start digging into all this. We're discussing the Mighty Thor issues number 337 through 340, which were written, drawn, and inked by Walt Simonson with colors by George Russos and letters by also by George Russos. And these issues tell the story of Thor meeting an alien called Beta Ray Bill and the subsequent journey physical and emotional that the two go on and these were originally published between november 1983 and february 1984 um so some trivia about this walt simonson's run on thor is one of the legendary runs in american comic books he was the writer and artist on the series from issues number 337 through 367 and he was still the writer when uh, sal Buscema took over uh, from issue as artist from issues 368 through 382. There are a couple of random issues that he didn't write and draw on this run, just two, actually number 356 and number 370. But it's basically an unbroken creative run of four years and almost 50 issues of stories for Thor. And uh, the issues that we're talking about today were collected into a trade paperback called The Ballad of Beta Ray Bill, which that's a strong name. <laughs> like I see that yeah. name on a graphic novel. I'm like, Oh, I am intrigued. So beta Ray I mean, Bill. We haven't, we haven't addressed it yet, but I hope the listeners have gotten comfortable. We've said it a dozen times. The guy's name is beta Ray bill. Three mm-hmm. words. Yep. Beta Ray bill. So beta Ray bill has appeared in several <laughs> other forms of media. He appeared in the silver surfer cartoon from 1998. If anyone remembers that I remember it. I remember <laughs> watching it. Uh, what a weirdly heady and intellectual uh, superhero cartoon to be dropped on Fox cartoons, you know, f- whatever their kid block was called in uh, in 1998, the Saturday morning show. I think it was like, Fox Kids. Yeah, it was just Fox Kids. Just so many long monologues from Silver Surfer as like space drifted by slowly behind him. That's my memory of that cartoon, which fits for the character, <laughs> but maybe not for a Saturday morning cartoon block. Uh, he also appeared in the superhero squad TV show from 2009 and also the earth's mightiest Avenger or um, earth's mightiest heroes. Sorry. The Avengers earth's mightiest heroes cartoon from 2010. And he also appeared in the straight to DVD animated movie, planet Hulk. And he's been in several video games. Now, beta Ray bill almost made an appearance in Thor Ragnarok, but 
uh, Kevin Feige has said that they decided this was too small an appearance for the character because he is kind of this cult favorite character. So they decided to save Beta Ray Bill for later. I would expect Beta Ray Bill to show up in either uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. One of those two films, I think. the character's I've, I've kind of seen rumors for both. Most recently, I saw rumors for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Um, now, who is Beta Ray Bill? We've mentioned this several times. <laughs> It's, uh, it's kind of a big question. Uh, I will try and include an image of this character, uh, but you're depending on how you're listening to this, it may not show up as like the, the episode art that some, some episodes get and some don't. Uh, Beta Ray Bill, I'd recommend look, Googling him. Uh, describing his physical appearance, imagine Thor's armor. So like the Asgardian armor with the big circle, you know, uh, bull, you know, uh, chest plate things uh, and uh, the red cape. And he's got the Asgardian helmet, the helmet on the side, the Thor helmet on the side, but he has this monster demon horse face. Uh, yeah. Like, like horse skull face. Yes. Yeah. That's I've always thought of it as a horse face, but if, when I say horse face, that doesn't feel right either. Um, so I like your, your horse skull face. Definitely. Like he doesn't look, have lips. Yeah. Supposed to look a bit monstrous and we'll get into why. Um, so he's looks, he dresses like a Thor cosplayer, but he is this alien horse, Steven thing. And he's orange. Yes. Ah, so three fingers on the thumb. He's, he's, you know, it's a presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 and th- these are the first four issues of Walt Simonson's run. He had been planning this like epic. It seems like it must have been for years. Like in his head, he was working on like I've got a Thor story, and it's going to be great. <laughs> and these, this is his opening salvo of what became, like I said, one of the the famous runs for a single creator on a superhero in American comic book history. He's introducing Beta Ray Bill. Um, which is really putting your stamp on on the franchise, uh, the Thor franchise. Um, we'll get into the full summary in a, in a moment. But before we do, listeners, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening to this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonists to support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So uh, let's let's run through these four issues. I think a couple notes about this that are important. Uh, Simonson knew, like I, I said, he clearly had a long-term plan, like a, a big, massive, epic plan for this. And he definitely is using like B stories uh, that, like in an issue, like there'll be a few panels of a B story that then don't apply, you know, until like six issues down the road. I'm going to trim a lot of that from the summary yeah. and just focus on. I was going to say this, like it's an interesting model of storytelling where he is cutting in these things. It's like, this is wholly irrelevant for like 12 issues. Yeah. But for, he keeps for, like, cutting the main back to like this. Here. Yeah. He keeps cutting back to like, two pages of this fiery forge and every strike of the hammer spells doom. And it's like, this isn't part of this story. This isn't part of the next story. No. <laughs> yeah. And this, this is, is very not much showing up for a while. But I mean, this is the model of comic book storytelling in the mid late seventies, uh, through the eighties of, um, 
you're you're telling such long form storytelling that like uh, you you have your a plot that's going to dominate an issue, but you are introducing a B and maybe even a C plot after your a plot revol- resolves or, or a, in or a seven D or eight and issues. E and F plot, yeah. In seven or eight issues, you resolve that whole A plot and the B plot becomes your A plot and the C plot becomes the B plot, you know, and, and they move yeah. up. Uh, this is definitely what you see in the X-Men comics by Chris Claremont and John Byrne um, and another artist that come on. But like the Chris Claremont X-Men run from the mid 70s up through the 90s, that is absolutely this, this style of storytelling uh, that we're seeing here. Yeah. And so let me throw in, I mean, like Joseph said, we're not going to deal with it in this episode, but let me throw in. So there was the forge that spells doom. There was a monster attacking a lighthouse in one issue. There was um, Volstag and Balder and some other minor characters doing their own things. There was Loki getting up to some mischief. And Lorelai. Like, these are happening. Yeah, these are happening just in the background. He just cuts away for two or three pages and talks about these things. It's 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 kind of a nice like refresher, but also in a lot of ways disconcerting to be like, What's going on? Like, focus, focus, guys. <laughs> yeah, and we, like, mainstream superhero comics really don't tell stories this way anymore. This was for a period when the primary consumer of these comics was going to be receiving them through mail subscription or um, or through regular visits to a comic shop. And, like, you, you mm-hmm. knew these were for dedicated fans who always picked up their title. Like, they were the Batman fan yeah, or the Thor fan. There was no self-contained trades didn't did not exist. Yeah. And now even the monthly issues of comic books are written with the the trade paperback that collects six issues, maybe 12 issues if it's a very large trade in mind. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a completely self-contained story in six issues. Uh, This was saying, no, we're telling an ongoing endless story. uh, And and you need to pick pick up every issue or you're really going to be missing a chapter um in that story now it's like okay tell us your six issue story of the avengers and you can hint at what's coming next uh at the end and then the next trade you know the next six issues of avengers is going to be another self-contained story that picks up what was hinted at and yeah there are some threads that go on but it's not at all to the level that we see in the 80s with with comics yeah and so it's almost distracting but also like it's still pretty good even when you get these things like this is some good writing this is some good art well, and and also there is such an economy and uh, strength in the storytelling where some of these like side stories that get acknowledged in an issue, it's only three or four panels. It's not even a full page, but it gives you enough to like remind you of everything that's going on over there that's going to become important. Like it, it sets the stage. It gives you like one character development or plot development and closes it out in sometimes like four panels in the top half of a page. That's what you get of Loki in the issue. And it's like, Oh, that actually mm-hmm. advanced Loki storyline in only four panels. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Yeah, like it is wildly efficient. And, and when Joseph gets into like the actual narrative for the, the a plot Thor and beta Ray bill, you're going to be kind of amazed at what happens in four issues you know this is a hundred pages of storytelling and then you subtract some of these other pages being devoted to other stuff this is like extremely efficient to get Mm -hmm. all of this across without it being too wordy like it's a good balance of the artwork and the words i mean there is more descriptive text than you'll usually see in a modern comic but it's like it's good prose oh yeah definitely simonson was was a fantastic both artist and just storyteller period um you know coming up with oh yeah and 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 we should point out pretty unusual in American comics to have the writer and the artist be the same person. So the fact that he was doing this pretty phenomenal. 
Yes. All right. Uh, let's just jump in. Issue number 337. At this point, Thor has a different <laughs> identity on Earth as Donald Blake, a doctor with a limp and a cane. Now, that makes no sense if you've just seen the films. Uh, and that's your familiarity with Thor. And, and when this doctor strikes his cane on the ground, or his walking stick, they call it all the time, uh, he turns into Thor, and the cane turns into Mjolnir. Uh, but he's not... Like when I say this, this is not like Clark uh, Superman pretending to be Clark Kent. Uh, like Thor is not pretending to be a human. When he is Donald Blake, he is just a human, regular human strength. He speaks like a regular human. But once he's transformed, super strong, speaks with the faux Shakespearean dialect that Marvel uses for Thor. And uh, if Thor is then away from Yolnir for too long, he reverts back to being Donald Blake. So that's the status quo that Walt uh, Simonson picked up with Thor. So Donald Blake is kidnapped by two men who take him to see Nick Fury. Fury says he knows that Blake is Thor and they need Thor right now. So S.H.I.E.L.D. gives Thor this briefing. So he transforms into Thor and S.H.I.E.L.D. gives Thor a briefing about this alien ship that they have tracked that just absorbed all the power of a star. And now the ship is heading to Earth's solar system. Thor goes to contact the ship and is attacked by its defense systems. He's able to break his way into the ship, but the ship seems deserted. And he sees there's a large crystal pod at the center of the ship and a being breaks out of this and attacks Thor. This is an alien named Beta Ray Bill. Uh, and it accuses Thor of being a demon that has hunted his people. And Thor and Beta Ray Bill fight and trash the ship. But Thor drops Mjolnir in the battle. The ship is automatically piloting to Earth so it can land to repair itself. Uh, there's an AI on the ship called Scuttlebutt. And this, this is what is um, going to say. We're going to land and repair on Earth. Um, as it's about to crash onto Earth, a safety cocoon wraps around Beta Ray Bill and Donald Blake, and Blake is unconscious when they land, and Beta Ray Bill looks around for the demon's weapon. He says, that hammer was pretty awesome. Uh, where is it? Uh, and he can't seem to find it anywhere, and he picks up the stick that he sees lying around. He's like, what is this? Garbage, and he smacks it against a wall in anger, and that transforms him into this alien version of Thor. Super strength and thunder powers and wielding of Mjolnir uh, as guardian armor, all of it. So now Beta Ray Bill, we know, must be worthy to wield Mjolnir. Uh, Fury is racing to Nick Fury is racing to the site of the alien crash landing uh, and as he gets there there's this vision of Odin that appears above the wreckage and calls Thor home to Asgard but instead of Thor Beta Ray Bill is transported away Issue number 338. On Earth, Fury tells Blake that Odin summoned Beta Ray Bill away on Asgard. They're all excited for Thor to be back, but then they realize this is not Thor. <laughs> um, and uh, Beta Ray Bill says, I won this Mjolnir, this hammer, in fair combat. Odin encases Bill in some magic stuff until he can figure out what's going on. He goes back to Earth and sees Donald Blake is talking to Fury, and he transports Donald Blake, just, just snaps him away. Uh, so that Donald Blake is now on Asgard, and he is transformed into Thor uh, once he's on Asgard. Odin releases Bill who accepts that Thor is not the demon who was hunting his people. Um, and Odin reveals that these are the only three beings who have ever lifted Mjolnir. Odin, Thor, and Beta Ray Bill. And Odin wants to hear Bill's story. Bill reveals that his people were from another galaxy, but the core of that galaxy just exploded, destroying most of his civilization and leaving a, only a, a percentage of refugees of his of his uh, civilization that escaped on, in spaceships. To protect his people, their scientists bioengineered a body based on the fiercest carnivores of their galaxy and then placed the soul of their bravest warrior into that body. And this is now 
Beta Ray Bill. Knowing that they had to travel light years with too few supplies, thousands of ships carrying the survivors of his species in suspended animation were sent out of their galaxy with Beta Ray Bill being the only one who was awake and on his ship as their protector. Soon after this voyage started, they were attacked by demons coming from the exploded core of their galaxy. Beta Ray Bill fought them off, but many of his ships were lost. Beta Ray Bill now tries to lead these demons away from his people while he's also searching for a suitable place for them to inhabit when they come out of their suspended animation. Odin reveals that he called Thor home because he senses a threat, one that comes from the same galaxy Bill is fleeing. Maybe those demon creatures that we've been hearing so much about. But before they can address that, they need to sort out who has the right to wield Mjolnir. Which means it's time for trial by combat. Thor and Beta, and not just by combat, to the death. Thor and Beta Ray Bill must battle to the death. And Odin transports them to the barren realm of Skarthime. And there, Bill and Thor battle until they knock each other unconscious. And they're on a rock that's floating down a lava river. Think Revenge of the Sith <laughs> um, for a lot yeah. of this battle. Um, Bill and Thor, well, I guess Revenge of the of the Sith should be thinking of this, technically. Uh, other way around. So Bill and Thor, uh, or sorry, Bill wakes up first, uh, and he could just let Thor fall over this lava waterfall that they're heading towards, uh, but instead he grabs Thor and carries him to safety. Odin transports them back to Asgard, where Bill says Thor is the greatest foe he has ever thought, but Thor is defeated, so Mjolnir is his. That was one issue, and again, with several side plots that were introduced, so much happened yeah, in that issue. <laughs> We are halfway through four issues. Yeah. Like, there's a phenomenal amount of content here. Like, the full backstory of Bill and a battle to the death with Thor happened in this issue. All right, issue like, number three. If you were going to take these, if you were going to take these four issues, you could make a trilogy. Yes. <laughs> uh, issue number 339. Bill collapses. So, like, in the last issue, he's all triumphant, and we open the next issue, and he is collapsing because he was not exactly thriving after that fight with Thor. Order, Odin orders both Thor and Bill taken to the House of Healing, where the warrior Sif is definitely intrigued by Beta Ray Bill. Uh, so, Sif, if you remember, if you've seen the Marvel Thor movies, uh, that's J.B. Alexander's character that's most prominent in Thor and Thor the Dark World. I don't think we even see her in the other one because she was busy with the TV show at the time. Uh, but she's one of the uh, a, a fairly prominent side character in the Thor comic books as well. So Odin comes mm-hmm. over and Thor feels disgraced and announces that he's going to renounce his godhood and be banished from Asgard. Odin tells him, hold on, I'm going to go talk to Bill before you do that. So Bill says he needs Mjolnir to protect his people, but he knows the weapon was made for Thor. He doesn't want to be a jerk and just take it. But at the same time, like my people are facing genocide. I would like to protect them. So Odin says, wait, I might be able to give you a boon. I love a good boon. So Odin goes to speak with this dwarf named uh, Itri, E-I-T-R-I. Itri, he's the one that appears in Infinity War. Okay, it is him. Yeah, about forging a weapon. Yeah. Itri says, sure, I can do that for you. Uh, But we have this mighty warrior named Throg. And if a woman can defeat him, you'll have your weapon. But if Throg can defeat the woman, he gets to keep that woman as his companion forever. So uh, Sif goes riding off in her full armor. Thor and Bill are curious about where she's going. And then they find out about the deal that was made with Itri. And now we see a flashback revealing that Sif was happy to take this challenge to look good to Beta Ray Bill. She just wants to impress this uh, demon alien guy <laughs> shown up. Not, now, not, not just this but like she has been like i think uh thor jilted her recently she's been a little moody she's seeking combat right so it's not exclusively to impress a man just now she does have her own internal motives for it as well as the romantic motive yeah but she's definitely intrigued with beta ray bill 
Oh yeah, that's pretty clear. <laughs> so she goes and fights this dwarf warrior Throg and wins. And Itri comes and says, I am so happy you won. Like at first it seemed like, Itri, you're being like, this whole thing seems really weird uh, and manipulative uh, to get Throg a, a woman, basically. And Itri's like, ah, oh, you misread that. You see, Throg was bigger than the rest of the dwarfs and a big bully. And all the other dwarfs hated him. And this was really a way they hoped to see him humbled and defeated. And Sif definitely carried that out. So now Itri is happy to make the weapon for Bill. Sif goes and talks with Beta Ray Bill. And he says since he was remade uh, by his people, he is going to serve them. That is his mission. But he knows he has no home with them. He's too different. Like he, like his visage uh, disgusts his people. Like they're all repulsed by it. Uh, he doesn't yeah, actually... he, he, is, he is monstrous. Yeah. To he, them. He, so so even though he his whole mission and purpose is to protect them, he doesn't think he's going to have a home with them, if, even if he finds them at home. Uh, this weapon by Itri is completed, and when Beta Ray Bill lifts the hammer called Stormbreaker, he transforms back into that Thor-like armor, just as he did when he picked up Mjolnir. Odin warns Bill that the demons have almost reached his people's starships, so Thor and Sif offer to help him, and the three of them go prepare for battle. Issue number 340, end of this four-story arc. Uh, Thor, Sif, and Beta Ray Bill find the demons attacking the slowest ship in his fleet. So the one that was at the back, the demons are already all over it. Sif says she's going to stay and fight these demons off. Uh, and she will protect the entire fleet while Bill and Thor go try and find the source of the demons. Thor and Bill do find that at the galactic core, there's a portal from where the demons are coming. Sif is fighting the demons, but is almost overwhelmed when Bill's... Real quick, sorry, quick interruption. Yeah. Did you neglect to describe how they are traveling through the spaceways this, this time? I, I didn't mention it, and I keep hoping this is this this imagery will show up in a Thor film. It hasn't yet. So in Norse mythology, Thor travels with uh, a chariot pulled by goats, <laughs> and that is how he's traveling in these instances with Sif and Beta Ray Bill, which just provides some yeah, fantastic so imagery. Faster than light goat chariot in space. I think one is named Tooth Grinder or Tooth Nasher. I'm trying to remember the name. I think that's both of them. That's that's each of them. Okay, there's Tooth Grinder and Tooth Nasher. Those are two different. The two I think that's it. Goats. Yeah, great imagery there. And so anyway, uh, Scuttlebutt, the spaceship, arrives and it, it saves Sif just as she's about to be overwhelmed. Uh, and then Thor and Bill, they find that they found this gateway and they throw their hammers so they collide at the entrance of the portal, which causes it to close. It's just like the comic book logic of like, oh, the big bang from two hammers hitting. Of course, it's just going to close. Yeah, massive energy. Yep done uh, so uh also great classic comic book and film logic once the gate portal is closed all the demons that were attacking sif disappear uh so <laughs> taken care of i think um i remember hearing it referred to as the queen bee method where you have swarms yeah. of villains that the, when the queen bee gets taken out they're all done and that's what we get here with the once the portal is closed it's basically the queen bee is dead um mm-hmm so uh, now uh, Sif, while, while she's waiting for Bill and Thor to come back, Sif asks Scuttlebutt to tell her about Beta Ray Bill. And Bill and Thor return to the ship, and then they all travel back to Asgard. Bill tells Thor he wishes he could stay on Asgard as his own people find the body they built for him too repulsive. And Sif tells Odin what she learned from Scuttlebutt. They, she reveals that thousands of his species were tested for power and endurance. And then there were also psychological tests that drove most of the uh, people mad. And Beta Ray Bill is the only one to have survived both the physical and emotional and psychological tests. You know, all those tests that were done. Uh, There's also there's an implication and I'm going to call it an implication. They said the games. So there's almost an implication of like gladiator combat 
where yeah. he had to he had to kill other warriors in to order become to become the sole the warrior yeah. who would who who would then be absolutely shunned. Yes. Um so uh like all all those trials that happened and then knowing that he's going to be transformed physically in doing this. Um, and, and the change in his body is irreversible. Um, and so then at a banquet honoring Bill, Thor and Sif and the great battle that they've had, Odin offers another gift, another boon. Uh, he casts a spell and beta Ray Bill now returns to a smaller, more humanoid form. What's the name of his alien species again? I, I, I know I have, um, it it's not in, it's not in this series, but I think they're Corbinites. Yes. That's what they get called later is Corbinites. So now he looks like a, uh, a Corbinite, like the rest of his species, uh, unless he we uh, he hits the ground with a walking stick he's holding, in which case he re- 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 he transforms again into Beta Ray Bill slash Thor Stormbreaker imagery. Um, so now Sif asks if she can accompany him as he searches for a home for his people, and Sif and Beta Ray Bill return to Scuttlebutt and go and rejoin his people's fleet. The end of these four issues. Excellent summary of. Some really, I mean, grand epic storytelling. And as you said, just a heap of content in such yeah. small space. When I, when like I nobody saw... today, nobody today would let so much be spread so thickly. Oh, this would be a 12 in, issue in comic book stories. Easily 12 issues. These, these four yeah. uh, in, in present day. And when I saw, like we had said, oh, we're going to do beta a bill. And okay. I should say, I have this in what's called an omnibus that collects the entire Walt Simonson run. How many pages that you have my copy of it right now? It's over a thousand. Yeah, I, it's over. It, it's yeah. It's hundreds and hundreds of pages. Um, yeah. Um, and then and, there's like artwork in the back and, and this collects, I mean, there's other great stories in here. Like Thor frog is in here. Other like beta Ray bill comes back. There's, there's all kinds fantastic of stuff. Uh, Alder side 1100 story. pages. Yeah. Um, and so I like picked it up. I'm like, okay, what, where, uh, where is the beta Ray bill stuff start? I'm like, oh, it's right at the very beginning. Cause it's been years since I reread that, that omnibus. I was like, oh, it's right at the very beginning. I'm like, how many is his actual origin stuff? Cause that's pretty much all we're going to be able to do. Cause, cause beta Ray bill comes back. Like, uh, I think like eight issues after this, he's back and he keeps popping up during the rest of Walt Simonson's run. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, it's only four issues. And then I started reading. Them. I'm like, well, how am I going to summarize all this? <laughs> this is so much content uh, in these. Yeah. It took me probably twice as long than it usually takes me to read an issue of a comic book. Yeah. Um, so some interesting uh, aspects of this story that I, I, I want to engage with is um, first, uh, like th- this has an excellent, excellent twist on like the alien creature like like so many sci-fi stories have like oh the the lost ship with like one inhabitant and it's a monster that, that we would this have been it would this have been before or after alien i think alien was set in the late 70s so it'd be after okay so some of that could have been inspired mm-hmm. by alien oh, oh definitely and, and that's a trope you see in the sci-fi genre in general like the also uh like even like the ideas of the, like the thing uh you know from the 1950s the thing mm-hmm. or uh, uh yeah the or or um what John the Carpenter creature from another world yeah yeah the thing the thing, the thing from another world thing from another planet yeah one of those you know like like there's this alien creature that is just like this force that destroys and it always has a monstrous appearance and um this opens in that way but then it twists it to make him like incredibly self-sacrificing and heroic <laughs> like, yeah, uh, like, like the noblest yes um 
and I and I I quite enjoy that twist. And I also like the way that like the information gets doled out. Um, like your first hint that there's more to this alien. I, I guess like so he, call, he says Thor is a demon that's been hunting his people. So you're like, okay, this this is actually like a protector. It's not it, it's not a devourer of worlds like Galactus or anything like that, right? So there's your first hint. But then mm-hmm. when he when he can wield Mjolnir, it's like whoa, what do we have here? Because <laughs> like that is a big deal in comics. The idea of anyone lifting Mjolnir uh, is like one of the uh, core aspects of Thor's mythology in the, in the Marvel universe. And also like they play with it. In the yeah. Is that, is that nobody can pick this thing up? Yeah. And uh, the MCU does similar thing. Like it does a similar thing with uh, ultra or uh, uh, vision in, in age of Ultron. Uh, like what, what makes you have to instantly accept vision as a good person is that he just casually hands Mjolnir to Thor and says, let's go. And everyone knows that's significant uh, in there. And in uh, Avengers in uh, Endgame, when Captain America can wield Mjolnir, like those, those, it's epic moments when someone else picks up Mjolnir. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're given the idea that there's a nobility or worthiness to the character, but then we get like his version of, his origin, like, oh, you know, I they needed someone to protect the people, so I agreed to have my soul moved into this alien, you know, body that they had bioengineered. And then Scuttlebutt gives Sif the the full version of like, oh, it's he didn't just volunteer and say, I, I volunteer tribute, <laughs> you know, Katniss Everdeen style. Yeah, like he had to he had to go through all of this stuff. And there's like, there's like one image of like the psychological torture where his eyes are being held open as they like I don't know what, you know, like they're just saying like, look, this was torture just to be selected as the person who could then be experimented on. Yeah. And once you like get that whole uh, package put together and then like the, also the acknowledgement that, Oh, and I am monstrous to my people. Like they, they can't stand. Yeah, I, I am unacceptable. So I will yeah. never live with them. I will never enjoy what I'm providing. Like, like it's um, a grand, space operatic version of uh the outsider hero in a like like the western like the the guy who rides into yeah. town to, to protect civilization but will never become a part of civilization uh mm-hmm. and, and that's what beta like he volunteered to become the ultimate protector of his civilization knowing he could never have a place in it again yeah um but then when you package that yeah, as it's, just, it's like this, very westerny yeah but when you package that as this alien monstrous other like it just uh, it, it puts a new spin on it in a way that I found very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting how he like spreads it out because you feel like when beta Ray bill tells his story, you're like, Oh, that's a, that's a tough origin, man. Like, yeah. And it, it was unpleasant to like be bonded with the, with the monstrous form. All that stuff is like, wow, you're like, you're pretty hardcore and, and pretty cool. And then, you get all this extra stuff and it's like, Oh wow. He's really hardcore. Also, he wouldn't tell people about that. (laughs) So he's just got like the, these ongoing layers of like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And like the, the version he told of his origin was not a lie. It's not like he was lying about how he came to be. Um, it just omitted like some of the, but well, simultaneously, like the most, um, tragic, parts of his origin but also like the most like self-aggrandizing parts simultaneously like yeah i went through all that like mm, I, i'm the yeah, real, it's like, real guy. I, I handled a ton of psychological torture yeah. and you know like the it, games i was i was 
I was the best. Yes, like he makes that a really simple statement. It's like, I was the greatest warrior that we had. So they used me. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying it's like, well, by competition and experimentation, I was the best. Yeah, so there's, uh, like, you understand why that kind of character would be, I, I mean, the, Walt Simonson is building up this kind of character to be someone who can wield Mjolnir, but also, uh, like, he, I think he, it has to be absolutely be so deliberate that it's like this monstrosity, like this alien monstrosity that is kind of disconcerting to look at. Um, mm-hmm. and, but also, I think it does a fun thing with... Um, with kind of like the eye of the beholder. It's not like the, uh, do we say it was Corbinites? Is that what they? Yeah. Corbinites. Uh, now I'm just thinking of the Star Trek Corbinite maneuver and I'm worried we're getting that wrong. We'll double check that in a moment. Uh, but it's not like the Corbinites, uh, are appealing <laughs> the way they get drawn. Like there's still something, um, off putting, uh, in, they don't have noses. Yeah. No nose, uh, orange, orange glowing skin. Uh, and, and so there's still something that very like alien other, other feeling to the way that they get drawn. But then like, there's this month's monstrous visage of beta Ray bill that can be monstrous to uh, us and them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I, I did double check. It is Corbinite. Okay. Um, yeah. And the, they also like, I mean, it really is like you're saying juxtaposing, you know, the monstrosity with the nobility. Um, you know, how, how, I mean, he's not like super grotesque, but like, he's a little disconcerting until you get used to seeing him on the page, you know, like a, like a, a, a lipless horse skull is not, you know, anybody's idea of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, but nor when is you're it seeing like it drawn. the xenomorphs and aliens or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's not like so creepy where I'm like, I'm so uncomfortable seeing this every time. It just like gives me the shivers. It's just like, Oh, like this is a monster. And I remember, um, my first exposure. Do you remember your first exposure to Beta Ray Bill at all? Oh, man, I remember the first time I read these. I borrowed I, I borrowed this omnibus um, from you at one point just just to read kind of that bit, just to get a little of the Walt Simonson stuff uh-huh. or I was um, or I was visiting you when you were living in, in Idaho or something for a weekend and just read them. I'm trying to remember the first time I definitely read about him and I'm not totally sure. Like he's, he's kind of shown up here and there a lot. And I've read some of the cosmic Marvel stuff, which is one of the places where he would show up um, like fairly frequently. He's a, he's a participant in cosmic Marvel stuff. He just, he's just around and shows yeah. up. Um, I've read him in a couple of the more recent Thor things um, in some of the big events. Um, I know he, he showed up in, in siege um, which was an Asgard focused storyline. Mm-hmm. So I don't know for sure when I would have first um, seen him. I mean, it might, if he ever appeared in exiles, that probably would have been it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm um, not sure on that. Uh, see, I have this uh, memory that, okay. Back in the day before the internet early, early night, <laughs> or at least, you know, common access to the internet and particularly like things like Marvel wiki pages or even just Wikipedia, where you can go find out the history of any comic book character. Like just at the, literally the, the tap of a few, you know, strokes on, yeah. on, on a keyboard, you can find out everything. Um, the only way I found out about the larger Marvel universe that was not happening in the few issues I could get in a month. Like I, I probably bought one to three comics in a month. Uh, usually an X-Men, maybe like a Captain America or, or an Avengers, uh, you know, and, and, you know, barring some from, 
from former guest, uh, you know, our brother John, like he would, he was getting a lot of those, like we read everything that the other one had, but it still was like a very small percentage of what was going on in the Marvel comics. And neither of us were ever like buying the main Thor comic um, at all. Um, the way you found out about those kinds of things was through the card series uh, where they, they put out the trading cards and that's where you could find other characters that you just hadn't encountered yet. Uh, and also some of their backstory. And I, to this day, like, remember I wonder if he was on a card, he was on a card. I remember that's how I first found out about this character named Beta Ray Bill. Then, it was, it was then on that a card. that would probably have been the, the first time I saw him too. And I remember seeing it and thinking, this is so ridiculous. Like even as a kid, like, this character, it looks like a Thor horse, uh, but walking yeah. around on hind legs. I'm just like, and, it's so ridiculous. And his name is Beta Ray Bill. Who came up with that? And I just thought it was a, so weird. It's but, such a dumb name. <laughs> but it was like a hook, a mind worm in my head that I never forgot the name Beta Ray Bill from that one card. And um, recently, my kids found like my old shoeboxes with old superhero cards and going through it. Like mm-hmm. I'd see some cards. I was like, Oh, I kind of remember that card existed and that character existed. And, but that character like existed for like the, you know, like one storyline in the nineties and they were trying to promote them. So that's why we were on the cards I yeah. bought in the nineties. And I had completely, like I never would have been able to name that character otherwise without that card in front of me right now. I always remembered the name beta Ray bill. And I always remembered the image of, the Thor armor on this kind of alien mm-hmm. horse looking character. And I'm wondering what is that combination that works so well to, to make this kind of that perfect, you know, like you said, C list kind of character. That's always gonna be kind of kicking around comic fans heads. And like, nobody's playing with his design because it's, it's perfect. Like as Thor's armor has gotten more modern, it's like, I don't think anyone's messing with beta Ray bills. You know, like yeah. it looks pretty much the same. Um, and, and there's like, I, I do remember, like, there's one touch to his armor that's different from Thor's that's like, okay, but that kind of locks it in as his own look. And that's, um, so with classic Thor, he has like six circles on his chest plate, mm-hmm. right? Three on each side. And yeah. there's just like a straight line between them. And Beta Ray Bill has a squiggle in between them. Oh. Like, it's a straight line. And then right in the middle, it's a little squiggle lightning bolt, like heartbeat. You know, that kind of thing. Uh And it's just like, it's something that like differentiates him. It's like, okay, why is this guy like, like this guy is distinctly somehow space Thor. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Like, Um, you know it. But it's like, but how did they do that? How did they make space Thor (laughs) out of this guy? (laughs) Well, I I, I want us to actually kind of talk through like, what, what is it about this that is so catchy and that works uh, so well? Um, and I think there is part of it is there's kind of a, a poetic rhythm or musicality to the name Beta Ray Bill. Um, even mm-hmm. as like both of us say, it's kind of a ridiculous name and certainly 10 or 11 year old me, when I found that card, I remember just thinking, this is dumb. <laughs> like that name is dumb. Yeah. I could never forget it. So yeah, I, like it's, it's so goofy. It mm-hmm. like on its head that you're like, what is this? But then you. As soon as you get like anything about him, it's like, oh, well, he picked up Mjolnir. Well, he's Thor's best, best, best buddy, you know, outside of Asgard. Oh, well, he he does this and he's a protector. You're like, OK, well, now I don't care. Now. Now it's cool. Yes. So there's like like somehow this combination of this goofy thing and this like cool story. You're like, OK, well, now it, like it's almost like a rocket raccoon kind of thing where it's like, OK, dumb talking raccoon. Oh, but he likes to protect his friends. 
you know, like when you get getting Rocket Raccoon in the movies, you're like, okay, this is goofy, but also like this is awesome. Yeah, and I, I think um, Simonson does a really good job of presenting um, these kind of like opposing elements of the character that should fight against each other, but somehow connect really well. So you have kind of the on its face goofiness in the name Beta Ray Bill mixed with like this super noble backstory and you have the monstrous appearance blended with like the ultimate protector warrior, um, you know, that is mm-hmm. so selfless and uh, in, in what they want to do. They're, they're not out to destroy. They're out to protect. Right. And, and so many of our, like our alien monsters are just like devourers for the sake of devouring. That's, that's all we get um, in a lot of our sci-fi when you see this monster faced uh, alien. And so uh, a lot of our expectations are going to be subverted. Uh, when mm-hmm. you hear the name Beta Ray Bill, you expect a goofy character. When you see a monstrous alien, you expect um, a threat, you know, an existential threat. Uh, and he's going to flip those those expectations. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's lots of – we can definitely point to other examples of that, that kind of thing uh, being done and maybe not working as successfully, but Simonson had an excellent touch in the art and, uh, and again, the storytelling to be able to, to really land those seemingly contradictory elements into what ends up being a very cohesive whole. Yeah. And yeah, like, I couldn't put my finger on like, Oh, well he did this and that's why it works. Like it's kind of, he did everything in just the right way. And so, it just does work, you know, like it, it's probably a dozen or more, you know, five dozen tiny little things that make it not too goofy, not overly, um, you know, not overly anything like and there's like Beta Ray Bill is ultra sincere and straightforward and earnest, but not to a point where it's comical. Mm-hmm. Like it just everything fits, you know, you don't look at this and be like. Well, yeah, but like he's kind of overdoing it here. It's like he's got just like the right touch on everything um, with with the character. And and I think that like the earnestness is, is another thing where it's like, OK, this guy, you know, is just straightforward about like, I'm trying to protect my people and you attacked my ship. So we're fighting. And, you know, I, I'm like it's it's an old comic book kind of thing. He's saying everything out loud. You know, he's voicing his entire um, internal thought process, but that allows him to like express all of this earnestness. And then you get the, uh, the character interactions, um, really like solidify. I think this is as a fantastic, um, you know, four Mm -hmm. issues introducing a character, uh, that he has different interactions between him and Thor and him and Odin and him and Sif. Um, and him and his AI scuttlebutt, which is another one where which it's like, is another what? Why does an alien have a ship called scuttlebutt? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like there's and there's like a, a, like it's and there's funny moments like this isn't super serious or anything like it's it's humorous too like and maybe the cutaways help with that to balance out the tone because you get these cutaways where Volstag is giving someone a lecture while sitting on top of them so that they don't get in a fight. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then towards the end when they're having the big feast and everyone's like back at Asgard and they've, they've walked down the rainbow bridge and everything. There's just like this one note. It's like, and all the warriors come back to the great hall, except for scuttlebutt because he can't fit (laughs) because he's a ship. (laughs) 
It's like, what? <laughs> like, why like, did that need to be said? But the fact that it was said is kind of great. Yeah. Um, and, and like the language that like Simonson is using, but also, I mean, Thor has always used the, the overwrought, um, almost Shakespearean kind of English and Beta Ray Bill like speaks on par with them, but not quite using the Shakespearean English. Yeah. I don't have, you the, know what I mean? The issues in front of me. So I, I, I like can't point to any examples of that, but w- when you're saying it, I'm like, yeah, that, that seems right. What, what you're describing. Like, you know, he talks about Thor. He's like, well, Thor is so noble. I can't, I can't let him die, but he's not saying like thee and thou the way that Thor and Odin often would. So do you have any other thoughts about Beta Ray Bill and what makes him a great character here? It's, it's like we've said, it's really hard to put your finger on like what works, but you know, it does, you know, with it by the end of that second issue, you're kind of all in on this guy. Yeah. And um, like, again, acknowledging Walt Simonson's like, spanning story arc that he had like as soon as he he and sif sail off into uh the space sunset uh together it's like mm, i want them to be back and i expect they will and then they are <laughs> um and uh there, there's something about this character and the qualities that he has that makes so many other comic book creators say like i, I kind of really want to scratch a beta ray village right now and and we're going to bring him into this mm-hmm. next story and i i think pretty universally the reaction is that's that's the right spice for this story. And I, I think Beta Ray Bill, um, one reason we don't see tons of like stories that are really focused on him, he is one of those characters that does work better as a side dish rather than the main course to a story. Um, yeah. Even though it, like his origin story that we described, like that is a fairly epic origin story that you certainly could see being played out, like you said, as a trilogy of films or uh, or you know, like a series of YA novels, like those, that kind of thing. Um, but something about uh, like the like the right way to see beta ray bill is in that thor costume um like it, he needs to be tied into the thor mythology and thor is going to be the core of that thor mythology mm-hmm. yeah and like his origin in the book even even when you take both of them is not three pages yeah, like uh, th- this is mostly voiceover narration. It is being told, not shown, which is supposed to violate like storytelling, but it works really well. And you you get so much packed in. And, and like we said, there's this efficiency and economy of the storytelling that Simonson has because he has so much story that he wants to tell that it's literally like bursting through these pages that we get this mm-hmm. massive backstory in a monologue of word balloons that, like you said, covers about three pages. Yeah, like... I don't know if if we were to like copy and paste, if this would take up an entire double spaced page of text, but like the balance between word and picture, you you get everything. And it really is like phenomenally efficient. Um, I did find a couple examples of of like the speech balance where it's like, OK, he speaks like Thor, but not quite like Thor. Mm-hmm. So it's during their their duel um, in, in the lava area. And, um, let's see. So at some point, um, Thor says something like still, I am, I'm strong enough to give the pause. And in the next panel, um, Batery Bill says, you know, though I do grieve to do this deed, your own father has commanded it. 
It's like, okay, so like there's the difference between using the and your. So like they're different, but he speaks, you know, in the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a high nobility kind of speech. He's matching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, um, which uh, is, again, like pulling him into this Asgardian world. Um, and there's something about Thor stories where um, so much of Marvel's Thor um, mythology is about Thor as the outsider on earth. Like he's the Asgardian on earth. Um, and he, and he's the one entering this other, this other world. And so to see, uh, beta Ray bill be the outsider being pulled into Asgard. It's like a, just another spin on the Thor mythology, um, which mm-hmm. still feels like it's all familiar for comic book readers who know Thor, but it's, it's introducing this new element that is, um, just going to change things up a bit for, you know, for this storyline. Yeah. And um, from like a storytelling perspective, uh, Simonson specifically calls out a number of themes throughout these issues to say, well, you know, one nice thing about this is I'm, I'm starting my run on Thor and I get to reintroduce humility for Thor because that was a big thing for him before, you know, he has to be worthy to hold the hammer. Um, and that's why he was forced to be Donald Blake. But now he's being humbled as Thor um, and things like that. So, you know, there's concepts that he's bringing in about humility and then, you know, the responsibility to support each other when you're powerful enough to and and all these things. And he he plays them out really wonderfully. Like it it is really good storytelling. All right. I think that is going to wrap up our discussion of Beta Ray Bill, who is just a delightful uh, minor character in the Marvel universe. And I really hope we get to see him on the big screen at some point. Uh, thank you for, li- uh, for joining us listeners for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review that really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English who designed our logo and Scott Tofty who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 56 when we talked about planet Hulk or episode number 58 when we talked about tough voyaging you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com we're also on twitter you can follow at protagonist pod and at jay Dorowski. and our producer andrew is at this minute and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast thank you again for listening and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're talking about Beta, Beta Ray Bill from the Mighty Thor comic book series. And Joseph, Jordan give me- that, give that, a, give that a fresh run. Yeah, he deserves his that. name said right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I realized how hard it is to roll it off the tongue until I was trying to do it there. <laughs>